I would say that, that Jesus probably wouldn't carry a gun, but I think Peter definitely would. Uh. He'd be he'd be packing. <laughs> oh, Peter yeah. Would. yeah, Peter was carrying that night. I tell you what, cut off a I'm just saying, ear. if it was modern day, homeboy wouldn't have lost an ear. Also, no, he'd have been popular. He would have lost his life. He'd have shot him, dude. Well, Jesus has been like, man, he's like, I gotta raise this dude back up. He's like, Peter, you know how much more power that. See, takes? I don't know. Like, I mean, if he was, if he would be as bad a shot as he was a swing. Ooh. Um, I don't know. About to make chubby fellas cool again. That ain't happened since Escobar. It's friends and family. Who the rest of y'all? My God. Misfits on the shame, man. That's the campaign. Man, I've been shining way before I had a chance. I completely forgot that I like opened the podcast. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, what up, man? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Hooligan Hideout. My name, as always, hasn't changed. Is Christian. I am joined this week by Brian. And sometimes called Hunter. And this week we are joined by yet another guest. We've had a lot of guests, but that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. Wow. Hey, <laughs> Mr. Russ Moore. Hello. Thank you so much for joining Ooh. us this week, man. I'm excited to be here with the hooligan. What do you call yourselves? The hooligan hoodies? Hideout. Hooligan hideouts. Close. Well, I mean, close. I, know, I know the name of the podcast, oh, but okay. I didn't know if like, you had like names. Nah, like, just the hooligans. Okay, okay. The, uh, the yeah. hooligans. That Other makes people sense. call us the hooligans. I've never called us that because it sounds kind of goofy, but mm. I guess our. Instagram DM of all three of us is literally called the hooligans. Is that, I think it's just called hooligans. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so I get to be a guest hooligan and, yeah, our, dis- hold on, and our discord that you made calls us the hooligans and that's different. That's like categorizing us. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> this is personal conversation of my feelings and I don't get on that. on air. All right. Are you sure about that? I'm not. <laughs> You can go back to any episode. I definitely get into my feelings. All right. Wow. Anyway. Um, Anywho. <laughs> anyway. So, this week we obviously are going over some fun stuff. But before we get into that, Brian, but what before we get out this week? Hold on. <laughs> Guys, they have to get to know who this man of, of honor is. Man Pastor Russ. Honor. Pastor Russ. Hello. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. I'm so excited I'm here too. Yeah. Um, I um I got to finally listen to an episode about a month ago. I told you guys I feel like I'm on Joe Rogan right now. <laughs> and it is an honor to be here. I'm excited. I got yeah. my uh I got my Alani. I'm ready. And I got a gallon of water with me. Dude. We all have a gallon. You. In my Actually, honor. Fair, you have two gallons of water with That's you. That's true. It's, it's more like a gallon and a half. <laughs> At this true. table right now, there are five gallons. Plus the water yeah, bottles. The, oh, if, the individual bottles, If you add everything too. together, it's probably about five gallons of water. So. Wow. Yeah. Can we all finish it before the end of the episode? That's I'm not even going to try. The hooligans wow. will be hydrated. <laughs> we, I would say we are probably a dehydrated bunch. <laughs> yeah, I'd absolutely. Say the, before Pastor Russ was at this table, there was probably no water to be seen. That's How much true. water there do you drink, Hunter? Um, What's your ratio of water and pop? Oh, 90-10. No, 70-30. 70-30 as in like 70 pop, 30 water? Yeah. Gotcha. How often do you get sick? Uh, I can tell you. <laughs> are there two? Are there two dots that might be invisibly connected? Yes. Right now? Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. You're not kidding. But I'm because not because I need to drink more water. I think we just showed the first little tidbit of who Russ is, and he is <laughs> all health conscious. <laughs> <laughs> Tries his best. I try. I try. 
But tell us a little bit about you. I mean, no pressure. What do you want to know? Anything and everything. Um, Deepest, darkest, anything, secret. everything. What's yeah, the worst thing you've ever done? I'll just ask what you guys oh. always ask people. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> yes, you can't, you can't turn my question on me. <laughs> and do it. who did you vote for? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Who did I vote for? Uh, we established what like just, ten episodes ago that you were a liberal. Listen, so you know. oh, listen. Oh, I just I I write in Ross Perot on every ballot. That's, that's what I do. Um, Mine got lost in the mail, so I can't really speak for man. that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to say right now, um, libertarian, undecided, conservative. Is that? Is oh, that? wow. <laughs> Whoa. Did, did, okay. Did I nail it? The viewers did, I... the viewers did not know where you pointed. I can honestly say that is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> well, you should hear the conversations we have, Neil. Oh, my us. goodness. Sorry, am I making that a sweat? Hilarious. No, I just sort of. I love you. <laughs> okay, so you pointed at Christian for libertarian. You pointed oh. at Brian for undecided. You pointed at me for conservative. And I'd mm. say he's probably three out of three. Yeah, absolutely. Three I mean, I can I can only really speak for myself, but yeah. I would say I don't <laughs> really goal. assign myself. But yeah. if I had to pick a party, yeah, yeah. you're a libertarian who um, is attracted to conspiracy like moth to flame. Would that be 100%? Okay. I feel like Russ has been studying us before this. Dude, well. Man. 100%. No question. So, worst thing I ever did. One time, I um, only prayed an hour in the morning instead of two. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I hate Bye. days like that. Man. Yeah, it's man. Just the worst. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, what do you do? Oh. I mean, are we going to define me by occupation? Or no, we... but it's good for people to okay. get a reference of, about you. <laughs> so my main vocational path currently, uh, I work at church. The same one you work at, X Church, and help serve and lead a group of people, do a lot of things under that umbrella, lead, write, speak, um, assist uh, our lead pastor, Yeah, help with some overseeing of uh, staff and church and a lot of fun and boring things in between. Come on. Yeah. Is that a good umbrella? That's, that's great. Okay. Perfect. Um, just got to uh, gloat about Pastor Russ for a sec. He's been a huge blessing to our community over the last, what, four years now? September will be five. Five crazy? years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. So we love you, and I'm just glad that you're joining us today. What is something you're working on right now? Ooh. Well... You know, I do. That's I why am, I asked. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, is this some? Is this like a world premiere? I mean, maybe. Should I not? Should I, I not have even said anything? No, you're good. You're. Good. I, I've hinted at it on the X podcast. Shout out X podcast. Oh um, yeah. I mean, of course we have to have. You yeah, shout we that have out. to shout that yeah. out. Oh. Um. Yeah, I'm about probably three or four weeks away from being done with the first rough, rough draft of my second book. That's what is awesome. that? The 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 CFD. CF, good memory. The, the I love you, first Christian. Draft. Chris, you got a good memory. You're a good note taker. I do not. Have and I a hear good they memory. make history Actually, makers. Actually, I had that written down as a talking point for you. The the note takers are history makers. Note takers are history makers. Um, because I never took notes in high school. Come on. But I have so many notes just simply because of that line. I love. Well, here's a new one for you. Uh, note taking people tend to live noteworthy lives. So there you go. There you go. Um, be a scavenger in notes, but I'm working on uh, my second book and I'm really excited. So, that's awesome. 
Yeah, that's, that's what I'm working exciting. on today. I took um, PTO off work to just have another. A, a few weeks ago, I got to take an entire. I took PTO to take just an entire riding week, and it was awesome. And I wish, you know, I had the luxury to just do that for a month. But I took. Uh, I'm taking this. It's a Thursday as we're recording this, so I'm taking Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to try to ride all day. Nice. And make a deeper dent in it. I'm really excited about it. I will say, roughly, the topic is confidence. Yeah. Mm. How to actually build and walk in confidence. And I think confidence is the secret weapon a lot of people lack that um, keeps their lives on hold and steals joy and steals them being able to step fully into the future uh, that could be theirs. And uh, I want people to be able to live in confidence and live full and free. Yeah. I love that. So it's about. That's yeah. awesome. Hopefully yeah. it won't take me as long to read that one as it did this one, this <laughs> first one. <laughs> what, what might help is this one will be about uh, half the size. Ooh. Not half the size, but it'll be about 20,000 words shorter. Ooh. So. There you go. It does yeah. make it a little easier for my Taze Valley brain. <laughs> How far are you? I'm putting you on the spot. I don't want to talk about okay, that. Okay. <laughs> Have not progressed much since the last um, time you asked. <laughs> Pastor Russ's okay. first book is Hope for the Wilderness. Yep. Um, it is a great read if you have Amazon, which it, it's weird if you don't. But <laughs> You um, don't have to have it. It's a website. You can just go there. I mean, if, if you have the internet. If you have the internet, if you, if you are, yeah. If you don't have the internet, you can just go to a library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can and go it buy there. it. Yes. Well, yeah. Go, well, what, what we're saying is don't go to the library because you check it out and return it. No. We're saying no, you can go to the library to, for an internet. You can. Oh, you can okay. That was sneaky. Well, what we're recommending is for people to buy it. Is it at also, the library? Can you get it? Is it like at the library? Do you think we could buy a bunch of copies and like donate it? I don't know if so you can get at the library. What's we'll the question? We should go find out. And well, if they, yeah. if it isn't, we should buy a bunch and just like donate it to all the Columbus Metropolitan Libraries. Wow. Just cause. Oh, what, Christian? I love you. This is, <laughs> I think it'd be fun. Let's do Creative. it. Creative. I like, I like that. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, but go buy the book called Hope for the Wilderness, written by our own Russ Moore. Um, it is a great read. Um, Thank you. So please read it. But. I rudely interrupted you because you have a question. I wouldn't. You more interrupted, Christian. But well, um, first of all, he made me feel like crap. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why? Because I had a plan in my head to have him do his question, and then we'd, you know, introduce Russ. And then you were like, "What do you know? We got to we got to introduce Russ." So then I was like. Everybody's gonna ah. think that I wasn't planning on introducing him. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, it's okay. Ah. It's okay. Well, it's okay. Right. You're just I'm disrupting just the think whole about flow. It for the next no. in the middle of this family drama. <laughs> yeah, this is. It's okay. Family Every single person who's this. ever come on this podcast mm. has felt this way, so it's alright. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it's just but a we were talking about you writing mm. and like being a part of something launching into something so awesome, right? From uh, a source between us, um, I've heard that you were like part of a co-writing and like. Uh, launching South Park, like you were a huge fan, like you really teamed oh, up with that, <laughs> and you were all about it. Wait, I'm so sorry. South Park, the show. Yeah, what about it? Were you like a part of that and writing stuff with it, and like a huge number one fan? Well, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> I was not. Although oh. Oh. I really have props for this because I feel like this is what I would say to Tim on the X podcast. <laughs> But let me tell you something. Um, I did not. Uh, <laughs> I did not write South Park. I don't know if I should admit this as a pastor, but I there are. When I was in high school, early college, one of my best friends got me into several episodes, and there are some episodes that I actually think are hilarious and love. <laughs> and um, you know, it's not easy to send me down uh, a side trail. So I will tell you, fun fact: if you are a South Park fan. 
There is an episode um, uh, about Casa Bonita. It's this thing that people don't think is, exists. They don't think it's real. It's a three-story Mexican restaurant with haunted houses inside and waterfalls and gun shows. I know and exactly craziness. what you're talking about. <laughs> Nobody thinks it's real, but it's an actual restaurant in Denver, Colorado, because the riders of South Park are from Denver. And when my sister moved there 20 years ago, the first thing I did the first year she moved was go to Casa Bonita. <laughs> and it's real. And there are gun shows. And there are waterfalls and haunted houses. It shut down over COVID, but now it has been revived and an actual chef has taken over it and it's actually really good. And I mm. plan this year to go back and visit South Park's infamous Casa Bonita and have a chicken and cheese quesadilla. <laughs> so is that an okay answer for you? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. I was just told to ask if you enjoyed South Park, but I had to throw my little rust sprinkle on it when I asked the question. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Wait, was I the one that nope. revealed that? Nope. Huh. Marty right. is the one that told me that. Oh, when we were really? on Discord one night, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, ask Russ about South Park," and I was like, "What? <laughs> Wait, have me and Marty talked about South Park? Apparently, <laughs> or maybe he heard because you said you were talking about it on the podcast. So maybe oh, you I heard did? it on the podcast. You said that did like I five that? minutes ago. Well, so <clears throat> I maybe not. I don't know. Huh. I, I barely understand what's going on right now. Let alone <laughs> okay. what happened like twenty okay. minutes, okay. Okay. a couple well, days ago. <laughs> Well, congrats on writing that episode. It was, Thank it was you. Well done. Was Thank well done. you. Um, not that I would ever recommend, but Man Bear Pig, that's the funniest. Anyways. <laughs> oh, I, that is a show I never got into, so Dude, I don't get any oh. of the jokes. <laughs> it's, I don't know why. It really shocked me when he said I was like, that doesn't seem like Russ's comedy at all. I but I'm here for it. Yeah, I haven't watched it in forever, but I will say, no, there's parts of it that are my comedy. <laughs> there, there's parts of it that are funny. Oh, dude. Dude, South Park is like so. It's like stupid funny. Oh, did you watch it enough to have a favorite character? Butters. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that was so quick of an answer. I mean, guys, look, look, I love Jesus. I've never seen it, so I. Oh, that was great. Uh, (laughs) he was ready. Wow. Yeah. Oh goodness, all characters. (laughs) Did you know uh, they had a? what is it, Trey, Trey and Matt Stone? Are they the, they're the creators, right? Yes. I mean, um, I, who knows? Yeah, of course. But <laughs> yes. We would know. Yes. Um, <laughs> Technically, they had, a, they had a movie they did before South Park that was the about the Dahmer party. Have you mm, seen that one? No. It is. It's a comedy. It's not like. I mean, it is a little messed up, but it is. <laughs> it's it's same kind of sense of humor, but mm. it's like live action, and they're in oh, it. Oh wow! It's it's pretty funny. Oh, definitely don't look that, that up. It's terrible. It's, it's yeah, yeah. You'd hate it. You'd hate every second. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty funny. Interesting. Yeah. South Park altered how I view Canadians, bro. Of how their whole head opens. When <laughs> oh <laughs> my yeah. god, bro. Goodbye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you haven't seen it. Uh, well, I've seen that one. <laughs> all right, we get I've it. seen a few. All right, we get it. We get it. Gosh. <laughs> okay, Pastor Russ. Yes, sir. Do you have a random question that you would like to ask us? Mm. Um. Okay. Last meal. If we were like what no. we ate last, or if no, we were no, to no. die. So if tomorrow you bite the dust, and you know tonight's your last meal, what are you Ooh. eating? Ooh, that's sad. No, no, no. That's, no, that's it's epic. <laughs> Do we get to add like a dessert to it too? Or yes. Just, okay. Oh, Brian, I'm still thinking. Hunter. Okay. Um, one, two, three. Okay, it would be seafood. Okay, it would be really. Yes. This is kind of surprising. No offense. 
Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seafood or Weenie Wonder, whichever one. Wow, that's weenie a uh, wonder. that is a contrast. But <laughs> let me tell you something. Weenie Wonder is surprisingly good. Yes, I mean it's good, but I don't know if I'd be like I'm dying tomorrow. Yeah, I mean last meal. That's Weenie Wonder was the last thing I had. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, a really good so like uh-huh. seafood like platter, or I know this is so weird. Hold on, no, 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 no. stop. When we say seafood platter, we're talking about like KFC, a bunch of fried chicken, no, or like or like fried not. shrimp or fried scallops. No, talking like, I'm talking like lobster, ta- okay. crab, okay, um, like fresh cod, okay, like that. Okay, you never struck me as a seafood person. Me neither. Yeah, I, I love seafood. Way. Love seafood. Yeah. Wait, I know like, what Brian's is. Chicken fingers. <laughs> wait, wait, no. wait, wait, wait. Or He's got dessert still. Or if oh, dessert. Want. If you uh, want, if you want apple pie, a la mode. It's, or okay, this is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's probably not that weird. Crawfish, that's mm. not weird. That's just little lobster. Bro, crawfish etouffee. Do you like New Orleans? Like talking about like Louisiana? We're talking yes. about Cajun. Uh huh. Bro, yes. They used to have this Cajun place in Atlanta called the Ooh La La. It's crawfish etouffee. It made ABC's like prime meals of America. Huh. So good. I've always oh, yeah. wanted to go to like a legit crawfish boil. <sighs> That'd be so cool. Oh, uh, they're so good. You see that dude You've on never TikTok? been to one? Like a, oh, no. Like How a crawfish boil? How do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Pastor Russ is a very cultured man. Well, okay. Part of this is on the coast and in the south, like like seafood boils aren't a cultured thing. It's like every Smojo raises up their carport in the summer and like they just have like plastic tables where they've just been boiling it all day and they just throw it on plastic two by like two by four tables or whatever four by yeah. sixes yeah and then just do it i'm born and raised columbus ohio okay so like nobody's so am i nobody's boiling crawfish so am i so where mm. have you had a crawfish boil georgia my family like oh yeah georgia crawfish. that's yeah Yes. Do you have, have family in Georgia? I have family in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. I don't have family in Georgia. Mm. I'm born and raised Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. I but don't have family this. anywhere but Columbus, Ohio. Is Dang, what I'm that saying. Sucks. <laughs> okay. I have an uncle in California, and that's it. Brian, <laughs> like, <laughs> what's your is your guest chicken? Well, okay. I don't, I, I don't want you to be offended, but bean burrito from Las Margaritas. Listen, I only say this based off information you've shared with me in times we've been at lunch. Yep, the one time. Uh, chicken fingers with nope. ketchup. Not only ketchup's disgusting. You need ketchup, bro. Oh, oh so sorry. That's disgusting. Okay. Chicken fingers with My water. My ideal would be all Mexican Jesus for dinner water. and <laughs> uh, dessert. Fried ice cream for okay. the dessert. Okay. Can't beat it for some reason. It's like a childhood core memory. And then just Mexican food with drenched in queso. By the way, can I just tell you all, speaking all of Mexican out. food, I had the best tacos today that I've ever had in Columbus. The five years I've been here. Really? Where so I, I went to a coffee shop in um, Lewis Center, oh. and it's this new development area they just built out, and right by it is Yabos. Oh, okay. And it was the best tacos I've ever had in Columbus. Really? Yes. Hmm. Insane. Was it like a hole in the wall, or was it like No, so a... apparently it's one of three, but mm-hmm. this one has franchised itself and is its own thing now. Oh. It's called Yabos, um, but this really good chef like created it a few years ago. and hmm. this, this particular one is brand new. And it's right by this place called Collective Social and Style, which is this like upscale spot. But Trent from Roast, yeah. they put their own bougie coffee bar right in the middle of it. Oh, and so wow. he's been telling me to check it out. So I went there, but then right beside it is Yabos. Okay. So I was going to say, because there's a Yabos in Hilliard. Yeah, it's apparently uh, there's three. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been to the one in Hilliard, and honestly, I wasn't that impressed. So mm. when you said Yabos, I was like, 
I don't know. But then you said it's like franchised itself out. So, but then somebody else told me that Los Gauchos, which I haven't been to, yeah, uh, apparently like Food Network and someplace else says the best tacos in hmm. Ohio. But anyways, okay. So Mexican. Yep. Honestly, I mean, I'm gonna have to go with Mexican as well. Okay. But a specific place there's in Circleville. Okay. It is this. What? Which one is it though? That's the one I'm waiting on. Sorry. That came El Palomar. Too. Okay. So there's this there's a strip mall like stereotypical yeah. midwestern Mexican restaurant, and I have yet to find a Mexican restaurant that is better than this one. El Palomar. Yes. All it right. is so freaking good. I get the mm. burrito loco is what it's called, mm. and it's covered in this like spicy red salsa and cheese and all this mm. stuff. And then you just like mix up the the beans and rice and put it on the burrito. Hmm. Yeah. Another try it. If I was gonna die. That'd be it. I'd go out with El that Palomar one. before death. Before that. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm. Pass for us. Oh. Mm. I was not ready for my own question. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, beef Wellington would be great. What is that? Uh, it's like uh, it's like Chef Ramsay's signature. It's like uh, it's fillet but wrapped in like a duck cell and, and like a pastry puff. Oh wow. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty epic. Um, or like lobster risotto or like a surf okay. and turf, like a nice lobster and like steak with like um, whipped like chipotle cheddar mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and um, dessert, anything chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, I yeah. love dark chocolate mm-hmm. peanut butter oh, kind of like or hot dessert. molten kind of, you know. Yeah. What would your dessert be? I don't know. I didn't think about it. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> mm. Dang. Something else. Mm. He's probably going to say like a DQ blizzard or something. Dang. I think that shot's fired. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? I don't know. I didn't think about it. <laughs> Hurtful. I don't even remember what yours was. I can't even make fun of you for it. it apple pie a la mode. Oh, yeah. That's basic. Are you kidding mm. me? No. With like apple crumble. Ugh. Yeah, basic. I love me some apple pie. Mm. Dude, I love apple pie. But you're about to die and that's what you choose? Yeah. That's Just what you eat your way in apple pie. Yeah. That's fair. That is fair. That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> <laughs> Come across this table to start with me. What are you going to do? Oh, I mean, you could. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, pay, I wouldn't put up a fight. But hey, guys, uh, the reason why we're here today, uh, one, it's another episode of the Hooligan Hideout, but uh, the three of us have been talking about something in particular that we wanted to bring Pastor Russ on. Uh, we've been talking about this term deconstruction. Uh, in our culture, uh, we all we all are a part of a Christian church, and we're seeing this kind of explosion. Well, I wouldn't call it a movement, um, but we're seeing an explosion of people going through this process called deconstructing, um, and it has been very intriguing to all of us because there have been what seems to be many ways people have been deconstructing, um, and the reason we're here to talk about it is because there are some people that would say deconstruction is a healthy thing and it's something that inherently all of us as Christ followers do, but we have finally brought terms to it. Or some people think deconstruction itself is from the pit of hell and the enemy wants to use it to turn everyone away from the church. And I just don't think that's true. Um, And so we're going to kind of talk about that today. Um, First off, we want to define what the word deconstruction is for people that maybe don't understand what that terminology is. Um, Because I can promise you, maybe at one point when I read this definition, that you yourself have deconstructed, whether it's uh, 
Here, let me say the definition. In our terms, Christian deconstruction is the process by which a Christian critically reevaluates the tenets and doctrines of traditional Christianity and emerges with a different perspective on their faith. And let me tell you, I have done that. <laughs> I think everyone in this table can say that they have gone through a phase of, of in time where I can say that I have deconstructed, but I never were, was able to use that terminology. And so that is um, Carrie Newhoff's definition of the word deconstruction. Um, there are many other ways that people define that, and I would actually like to ask you guys, how would you define what deconstruction is? Go around the circle. Brian, you start. Me first. <laughs> um, I feel like trying to make it as simple as I can would be essentially – someone trying to make something their own. Like when we're talking like in a faith sense, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. We've talked about this and going to the one church that I went to and the people that were around me, I feel like I listened mostly to them of how to be a Christian. And when life circumstances happen and those people were uprooted from my life, I then had to figure everything out on my own. And that wasn't like quick. And I felt like I was good for a minute. And then I can, Russ can attest to it. Me and him had multiple meetings over like six months where I feel like that was my quote unquote deconstruction phase of where I had to figure out what my faith meant to me, um, what it needs to be built on, practices, what to believe um, from what like I researched and looked up from like what the term deconstruction came up with, like not faith-based. Uh, it was just essentially the person was saying it's hard to trust quote unquote what someone says by their words because it's their depiction of reality from their point of view. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's hard to know exactly what they're getting at and believe it as a hundred percent truth and going through and figuring out what they believe themselves. So all I have to say, I think it's mostly just in a faith-based sense, getting rid of cultural influences um, family influences, tendencies, whatever it may be, and making it your own and running with that foundation with your faith. Mm. That's a good perspective. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I definitely parallel that. Um, I've said on this podcast multiple times before that I feel like I'm currently in a season of that. Like, I feel like I'm, I've said before, like I've been breaking down a lot of walls in my life. And I said that within like the last couple of months, I've started to realize that those walls have become church walls mm. and like, mm. I'm kind of processing that and figuring mm. all that out. Um, and it's weird when like the, the stuff in your life that you were like is bad. Suddenly you're realizing that like, it's the stuff that you considered good is not good, but it's not bad. And so it's like the process of figuring that out. Um, and so it wasn't really till we started getting into like deconstruction and what people considered deconstruction and what people like called it and et cetera and like all that stuff that I really started to realize like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, I think I'm experiencing this. Yeah. And so I think it really depends on what route people want to take because it seems like there is deconstruction like Brian described where it's like, I'm reconsidering the foundation of my faith and I'm taking away the human influence, taking away the, the quote unquote, like denominational or church influence. Mm -hmm. And I'm just building it on faith influence. Yeah. But I think there also is like that, that deconstruction where people are, are putting that foundation on people too much. Yeah. 
and deconstruction just becomes a fancy term for just walking away from Christ altogether. And I think that that's where you're seeing a lot of this explosion is like there's people that feel betrayed by church and they're having that church hurt and they're using deconstruction as like a comfy way to walk away from the church. Yeah. Because they've never really had like a Christ moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's people that haven't grown up in church. I think it's people that grow up in church. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a lot of church kids. You're seeing a lot of private church or private school kids grow up and realize, crap, I don't have a foundation. I just have a church foundation. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's what I think, like, the modern deconstruction is. I think there is a justifiable faith-based foundation there, but I don't think that's what, like, the current... Mm-hmm. explosion is i think it's it's more of a just a safety word to say i'm not a christian anymore yeah so yeah mm. yeah i think um i would agree with everything y'all said i think you, with the definitions you gave were great and clear and a little brian said i think there's some great insight in what you just shared christian because i think deconstruction is a really broad term yes in a really broad term and and you really don't want to kind of label or stereotype or broad brush all the different people that are on it. There are people that I, I think what you're getting at, I, I think there are people that it's a fancy term for laziness or walking away, mm-hmm. or I never had any roots in faith and someone offended me and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to call it deconstruction when really it's just apathy. Um, and, or it could be just offense or it could be, look, I'm just going to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think we use words that, that feel good, like I'm wrestling with my faith. But it, when you think about terms like wrestling or deconstruction, like my, my mind immediately goes to images like deconstructing a house. So you, first off, if you're going to deconstruct a house, it's like on a spectrum, how deeply are you going to de- deconstruct it? Right. Are you just taking out the windows, the wall, or are you going to yeah. deconstruct the entire foundation? Yeah. Yeah. But embedded in the term... And the imagery is the idea of work. Right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so to, to deconstruct means you're going to use some mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational muscles to actually do work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, it's a broad term, and there's a lot of different directions we could go in it, but I think your, your uh, definition is right on, and, and uh, I think the insights y'all shared were great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that imagery that you – shared about like deconstruction and, you know, tearing down a house. Um, I think one note, one thing about deconstruction that I think is, and you kind of alluded to it is like people use that term to just walk away from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie knew off. I was just, uh, he released an article uh, just actually two days ago about deconstruction. And a lot of people use that term deconstruction to, like deconversion from Christianity. And that's yeah. not what deconstruction mm-hmm. is. Um, and when we leave that unchecked, uh, he wrote that deconstruction can spiral into destructive cynicism, self-righteous judgment, and empty nihilism. And I think that is, that's so true to me personally, because I think that, um, like you said, Pastor Russ, you're not doing the work that you're using that almost as a cop-out. And I think, also, for people that are listening and you're maybe wrestling with your faith, um, maybe that's the process that God wants you to go through, and you don't need to think that systems or people are making you lose 
hope in God. Maybe God's just wanting you to go through a process to say, hey, I want you to go through this tension, but I want you to lean in. I don't want you to draw away. And so I think it's so easy for our culture to come around this terminology as a way to walk away. But maybe God is actually saying like in a, in a world exploding of tearing down systems and tearing down people, maybe lean in more into what my words are trying to say. And I think really that's what ultimately that's what healthy deconstruction is because deconstruction unchecked just turns into destruction. Mm -hmm. It turns into walls, like a foundation that you have once built, you look away and it's just crumbled and there's no sign of hope in what you once Mm -hmm. held onto before all of that is gone. And that's why you see other people going into these other ideologies or thoughts in, in communities searching for something that they will never find like they will find in the church. Mm-hmm. You'll never find someone that will advocate for you and pray for you like you own the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll never find someone who will go through uh, war for you. People mm-hmm. that will um, come alongside of you and say, I'm going to stand with you in your, um, you know, in these seasons of emotional despair mm-hmm. and anguish and anxiety and depression. You will never find a community that will stand with you more than the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that people and systems and, and virtue signaling and social media for so long has said that the church wants to try to bring you down, but really you can find a community that will lift you up. Mm-hmm. And I think through the guise of deconstruction, our culture has brought a negative terminology or a negative concept to what the church truly should be. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I don't think it's just culture either i mean churches themselves have brought a negative view onto churches and and that's it sucks to say but it's the truth yeah you know what i mean the the modern christian church not as a whole but the culture in churches has become toxic like you look at a lot of churches and they don't accept people left and right you know there's a lot of hatred there's a lot of just public denounce of things and like i talked about this at group on thursday like or tuesday like it's it's it doesn't feel like it it doesn't always seem like being a christian and following christ are the same thing mm-hmm. like there's definitely times where it is mm-hmm. one thing maybe uh for those that go to x church we don't when we follow when we are in the house and we say we're you know followers of christ we don't say that word christian yeah we say hey if you well, are a follower of christ and that's the thing that hit me when when tim said that on stage mm-hmm. i remember like that stuck with me for all those weeks mm-hmm. Because like he said, I'm not religious, I'm a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm not Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. it's gotten to the point where so many people assign it to a church Mm -hmm. and assign it to, well, the pastor said, Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. my small group leader said, well, and it's like, that's not, people are going to fail you. People Mm -hmm. are going to fail you 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. God's not going to fail you. Mm -hmm. You, you, you leave a hundred churches, but don't leave God. Like that's, you're, that's defeating the purpose. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I think um, you know those of you, those of you around this table. You know, you probably heard me say this ad nauseum, but I think there's like two ditches to every road. And so, when you look at the foundations of your faith, on one hand, the church is so essential. You know, if if you claim to follow Jesus, you know, you can't say I love the head Jesus, but I hate his body. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what he left behind, and it's an integral part of how you grow. It's an integral part of when you're in the soil of his body, that you're challenged, that you grow, that you 
bear one another's burdens, that you pray for one another. It's, it's, it's in the soil, you know, Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. You know, lone, lone soldier Christianity is not an option Jesus left. Right. And uh, one of the, you know, just as a sidebar, one of the most dangerous things you can do is deconstruct in isolation and not in community. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And so peop, I think one of the things that happens is when people have shallow roots and they're not actually planted in community. But on the flip side, to your point, the other ditch, and I, I think this is kind of maybe what you're alluding to, is I've met a lot of people that have fallen really in love with the church, but in a non-judgmental way, my perception is they never fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. Mm. And I think, I think, you know, I've gotten so much wrong in my life. I'm one of the most human flawed people you'll ever meet. But I think by the grace of God, one of the things that happened to me when I gave my life to Jesus as a nerdy seventh grader is I caught a vertical view. And what I mean by that is somehow one of the things that clicked for me early on is I will always be planted in church, but I have always, I guess, just had this sense in my mind. I know people will fail me along the way, Mm -hmm. but even when the horizontal disappoints me, I'm going to church for vertical reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be in a church that is healthy. Obviously I want to be in a church that is faithful biblically. Obviously I want to be in church that is loving and has a healthy, proper perspective on the world and humanity. But I think one of the things we get in trouble in is either not being in community or being in community, but not having deeper roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is when people say God disappointed me, what they're actually really saying is people disappointed me in the name of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's got to, at some point for the person who claims to follow Jesus, become deeper roots. Uh, I love, you know, the story of Esther in scripture. I heard an an old, probably none of y'all heard him, but Tommy Tenney, he's this old saint that talked about Esther had to find a way when she walked in the courts and saw the gossip and saw, she had to find a, a way to lift her eyes above the horizon, to lift her eyes above the courts. And I think one of the greatest things paradoxically that you have to do as a follower of Jesus is decide to fall in love with the church, but when you come in the church, lift your eyes above the horizontal and connect most deeply vertically. Yeah. That when I come in, I mean, this, this is in the practical and in the deep. Right. When, when, yeah. I, when, I, when I come into worship, I, I'm, so gr- I'm so glad that our ex-worship team is so amazing, but my goal is to forget they exist when yeah. worship starts mm-hmm. and to close my eyes and lift my hands and connect vertically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that Pastor Tim's a great preacher, but when I listen to him, my goal is to forget he exists and have the posture of Samuel to say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening and hear God's voice through him. Yeah. And I think so often we get so caught up horizontally and we never have deep roots vertically Mm -hmm. so that if someone offends me or the pastor fails or this disappoints me, well, God's failed and I checked out of church. Yeah. Um, and so I just think, I think balance really, really matters there. And I think, you know, um, kind of to your point on care new off, as far as like deconstruction, it's, uh, I think what people are, are wrestling with, again, it's such a broad term and I think people's journey is so different. I think a lot of people deconstruct because maybe there's shallow roots. Yeah. And so they just get confused on what they believe, right. honestly. Yeah. And then, you know, you get in a world with a thousand competing voices and you're just like, I'm just trying to figure out what's real. What's right right and then i think a great majority of people deconstruct if they're really really honest out of wounds mm-hmm. they've been wounded they've, they've been wounded by the church because like you said christian there's a lot of imperfection and 
There's some things that are healthy in the church right now. There's some things that are toxic in the church right now. Um, unfortunately, the healthy churches don't get a lot of airplay. They don't make documentaries about the healthy churches. Nope, yeah. they don't. <laughs> so if you're not planted in a healthy church, you can be deceived into thinking, man, all the churches are, you know, because they don't write Vogue articles about the hundred thousands of pastors that are faithfully. They're only going to write an article about the one that fails. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. But I think what people are really craving, I think the healthy side of deconstruction is that we all need to construct a worldview. Yeah. Like, as you grow into an adult, whether you ever verbalize it like this or not, you need to, dis- you need to have a pretty solid worldview. How do I see the world? How do I see people? How do I s- what's my philosophy about life? Really, when you're talking about deconstructing, you're deconstructing a worldview. Yeah. In our context, we're talking about from a faith perspective, a church perspective, but really what you're talking about is a worldview. But even just like, even if you were to set faith aside and talk about deconstruction just on a psychological level, deconstruction is supposed to be the middle part of a process of maturation. The first step is construction. That's what you're handed, you know, as you grow up. Yeah. And, you know, the the, the middle part is deconstruction. Yeah. And and that's where, for better or worse, you kind of say, okay, here's the template I was handed. Here's the family I was raised in, the culture I was raised in. And, you know, I think we all go through this to varying degrees of like, okay, I, I like that. I think this was kind of skewed culturally. I think this was a bias I was handed down that the more I'm critically thinking, I don't think that's healthy. Oh, this is, I think was too simplistic. This was very politically, you know, geared. I grew up in this very political. Now that I'm outside my bubble, I'm thinking for myself, there's a healthy part of deconstruction. I think one of the many dangers right now is people have made that middle part, the destination. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Deconstruction is not the goal. Yeah. Deconstruction should be a process you go through to end at reconstruction. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's, it's supposed to be a three-part process of construction, deconstruction, reconstruction. Yeah. And I think when healthy deconstruction is part of the journey, it's a healthy thing. I think some people out of just perpetual cynicism and intellectual itching like to make it the destination, and that's when it's destructive. Exactly. That's so good. So, and I think, you know... Could I add just a pastoral thought? Here, here's Please do. My, I, I think in my view, kind of on a, um, on a faith level, there's healthy deconstruction and there's unhealthy deconstruction. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Jesus was a deconstructionist. Mm-hmm. He was the ultimate deconstruction. Jesus came along and had a radical critique for the religion of his day. He yeah. came across it's literally and, what he came to do. Yeah. I mean, he turned <laughs> yeah. everything upside down. He changed the paradigms. He, the way that all the Pharisees and scribes had been interpreting scripture and the way they'd been doing church, he said, you got it wrong. He yeah. destroyed their whole system and turned over tables. And that was healthy. Yeah. The reformers throughout the ages, the revival. I mean, when, when Martin Luther told the Catholic church, you've been doing church wrong a long time and they killed him for it. I mean, yeah. Martin Luther mm-hmm. deconstructed. I think the important difference between what happened for thousands of years and what ha- is happening now, if I can say it this way, and probably some of this I'm borrowing from John Mark Comer, I've heard him talk a lot about this, is healthy Jesus way deconstruction was using scripture to critique the world's corruption of the church. Mm. A lot of modern, if I can just say Western, millennial, Gen Z deconstruction 
is using the world yeah. to critique scripture's authority over the church. Yeah. yeah. One is the way of Jesus and one is not. Yeah. And, and so I think it's really important if you're deconstructing to say, okay, am, am, am I using scripture as a basis for my deconstruction? There's a difference between wrestling with scripture in your deconstruction and wrestling away from scripture in your right. deconstruction. Yeah. yeah. There's one, like for me, I've definitely been through deconstruction. Oh my gosh. I, I love, my parents are the greatest people in the world and I'm so thankful for my upbringing. But I was raised in a, <laughs> a Fox News is the soundtrack every night. You know, I was, <laughs> I was raised in the South. I mean, you know, Jesus is a Republican kind, you know. I mean, I mean, politically, culturally, theologically, in so many ways, I have completely deconstructed. Deconstructed. I am like some of my friends from the South. They've told me, and they—I don't think they mean it as a compliment. They're like, "Rush, you've changed so much." And I'm just like, "Thank you." Yeah. I hope I evolve and grow the rest of my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but ironically, in the last 25 years, the the deep rootedness, the 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 close-handed doctrines of Scripture, I've not changed one iota. Yeah, mm -hmm. my my convictions have actually only grown deeper. Right. When it comes yeah. to who Jesus is, when mm -hmm. it comes to the scriptures, and and so for me, I think one of the things by the grace of God that I had maybe it's the mentors in my life early on, or I don't know what it is, just the grace of God, if I can use kind of a churchy term, is I think I was fortunate early enough to have roots deep enough. Yeah. To where when I deconstructed, I had a foundation to deconstruct from. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the image that comes to my mind is there's a difference between deconstructing with roots in the ground and deconstructing with ropes in the wind. And I think a lot of people are deconstructing with ropes in the wind and they are carried by the whim of whatever TikTok influencer seems to be saying, whatever the <laughs> yep. newest wind of philosophy might be. And that, in my view, would be a really scary place to be. Yeah. For sure. That's just a little bit of rambling, but that to yeah. me, like when I look at like yeah. deconstruction, that, that, I, I would just throw that out as, are you de deconstructing with a goal towards reconstruction? Yeah. And are you deconstructing from the roots of scripture or from the whims of culture? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You, through all that, especially when you talked about a vertical view <coughs> and vertical roots, I'm pretty sure it was like maybe 2019 Pastor Tim did a, a series all about having a vertical line of, mm -hmm. I, don't know if, I don't know if judgment was the right word he used, but he, it was what the whole series was about was making sure that when we're in church and when we're pursuing Christ, that that's what we're focused on. Mm -hmm. We're not focused on our building or anything like that. It was, that's what it and, yeah. It makes yeah. me want to like go back and search what that series was again to listen to it again yeah. because it was so good and like, it's so relevant to what yeah. we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this may be like an outlandish question kind of, but do you feel like with like ropes in the wind and they just go for whatever when it comes to deconstruction, do you think that ties into the cultural way our world is of cancel culture mm. of like how it's so easy to tell your truth and roll with your feelings? Mm. And if it's church hurt that gets involved, it does. Do you think those tie in together with deconstruction of like how people don't view it as a reconstruction opportunity, but rather just a demolition and like, let's leave. Mm. I definitely think there's probably some overlap. I do think they're two different things. I, I think when you look at cancel culture, I think we are in, I think, I think our culture is moving more and more away from grace and more and more towards polarity, radical polarization, and more towards shark smelling blood in the water 
kind of spirit. And I think that's a spirit. I think, I think it's, it's a spirit that lacks love, a spirit that lacks self-awareness, a spirit that lacks humility, a spirit that lacks compassion. Um, I'm not sure where all that overlaps with, with deconstruction, but I, I just think we all have to be aware we're being discipled. And the question is not, will you be a disciple? It's who's discipling you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you add to that, you know, not to sound like the old guy. I love digital media. I love social media. I love all that. <laughs> and, and this may sound like a hypocrite because I have a mic in front of me right now. But the <laughs> We've other, talked about that so yeah, many times. Yeah. But the other dangerous thing is the fact that there's so much access for us all to get behind a mic is great in moments. Mm-hmm. There are people that otherwise would not have the opportunity to speak, that can now speak. The danger is there was a day and age where you used to have to earn the right to be heard. And now there could be somebody who has never done anything to earn the right to be heard, but he has a cool look and he has a lot of followers and he was sent to you by your algorithms and he's your age and you relate to him and you've distrusted so many leaders that he's saying something. And before you know it, his words as someone who's your age or younger than you is helping form your eternal worldview. And you may not realize how eternally destructive that is. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're looking at something as important as your future and the voices you're allowing to speak into you, it should not just be a peer you think is cool that you relate to. It should be a voice of wisdom that actually has weight behind it, that has a few decades ahead of you to have sorted through. I mean, even if you're not going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you know, one of the things, when you're deconstructing, I I think there's, you know, if I could throw out some, I'm no expert, but if I could just throw out some thoughts, Mm -hmm. like when you're deconstructing, first of all, deconstruct within community. Even if right now you're disillusioned with the church, deconstruct within the community of a church. Yeah. The church is where people are most wounded, and ironically, it's where you find healing yeah. after you've been wounded. Exactly. It's almost like, if, you, it's almost like if, if a doctor performed a horrible procedure on you and did horrible, and you needed healing, but because of that, you, you refused to go to any doctor for the rest <laughs> of your life. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. That is. Like, yeah. you... Um, and so do not... Especially when, when you're in no man's land of trying to construct a worldview, in any low or vulnerable place in your life, the worst thing that you can do is be isolated. Yeah. So don't isolate yourself with you and some TikTok voices. Yep. Deconstruct within community. And if you have any inkling of faith, deconstruct with Jesus. Mm. The thing I love about God is he's not afraid of our questions and, and doubts. He's not afraid of our um, contentiousness. He's not afraid of our anger. He's not afraid. God is big enough. I always tell people... Like, I love, if you don't think that, like, I, I think some people deconstruct because church was not a safe place to wrestle. Yeah. It was not a safe place to ask questions. And if that's you, I hate that you experienced that. The good thing about God is he's not like that. Mm-hmm. And if you think God is afraid of questions and, and uh, challenges, and you've not read scripture because that's all David does in the Psalms. It's all yep. Job does. Yeah. He said, God, how in the world this, if that, and, and God is big enough to handle our questions. Um, Take all of your wrestling and wrestling towards God, not away from God. Mm -hmm. Wrestle towards Scripture, not away from Scripture. But then the third thing is, wisdom's not born in a day. 
So there's a lot of people behind us that got it wrong. But the good news about reconstructing something to build your life on is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to be arrogant enough to think, man, I need to deconstruct everything and I'm going to be the person, the first person in the last 6,000 years to figure <laughs> out what it was. No, there are some tried and tested paths and men and women of God that went before us right. who wrestled through the Stoics and wrestled through Aristotle and Plato and wrestled through philosophy and they... There's some things that are specific to this age, but wisdom and eternal truth are not one of them. Mm. And so I guess what I'm saying is wrestle in the light and in the wisdom of, of history. And, you know, there's this great verse in Hebrews that says, talks about the great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some, I mean, I'm getting kind of theological here, but sometimes yeah. people are like, hey, like, how, how do I know if this theological truth is, well, what if this is right and everybody else is wrong? I always tell people if, if, you know, if Solomon was right that, you know, uh, wisdom's not born in a day and there's, you know, um, if I go back, if if I'm wrestling, if I'm, if I'm wondering like, okay, how do I interpret the scripture? You know, one tried and true piece of wisdom is to go back through the quote unquote great cloud of witnesses. If all the great majority of the great men and women of God throughout the past 2000 years, even though they're going to differ on a lot of things, all seem to say this and Russ thinks this. I'm probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if everybody thinks that Helen Keller existed. Right. Yes. But I think she doesn't. I'm probably wrong. So I don't know if that's too theological of a rabbit trail. I no. just, I'm, I'm just, these are some things pastorally that I think mm-hmm. are helpful because I think some people are launching out into the postmodern desert on their own yeah. and are heading straight to nihilism and fatalism and despair. Yeah. And they don't need to wrestle, but don't wrestle alone. Right. Yeah. And don't wrestle with people who've not been down that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wrestle with people who've gone through deconstruction and are, have made it to the other side and are standing. Yeah. Yeah. That's you so know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just, I'll just, and I'll add one last. I just, it's never wise to construct a worldview out of a reaction. I think, I think about this a lot in my own life. I mean, think about it. There's so many things in my life that like I've been moving on a pendulum, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people when they deconstruct what, what, let's say you're raised in a certain like super conservative environment. A lot of people, they go to the pendulum and they get and it's yeah. super liberal yeah. or, or the opposite. There's this thing called the new is that was it the new Oregon trail. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. And, and it's this kind of postmodern movement of deconstruction of a lot of people that were raised in extremely conservative bubbles and they'll move to Portland, like the exact oh, opposite. Yeah. And it's this breath of fresh <laughs> air. And a lot of them go straight from there to deconstruction straight to complete abandonment of the faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all do this. So, reactionary theology is not a theology that lasts. Right. Mm-hmm. And we all do it. Let's be honest. E- even on a personal level. I mean, how many people do you know that like they got hurt by a girl and they're like, I will never trust a girl again. <laughs> Girls yeah. cannot be trustworthy. They would not use this language. What they did is they just built a reactionary theology. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the concerns I have in deconstruction is a lot of people, um, instead of just have finding healing from their wounds, 
And instead of using wisdom, what they've done is they've gone from one extreme to the other and they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. They've had a bad taste in their mouth. So they end up throwing something out altogether that might actually be a good thing. I see this with honor and authority. Yeah. You have people that have been abused or hurt by honor or by authority. So instead of saying, hey, like, yeah, there needs to be change. Yeah, I need to find healing from that. Hey, that needs to be addressed. I'm going to go to the other end and I'm going to have cynicism and skepticism and dishonor for the rest of my life and a complete distrust of all authority for the rest of my days. And I'm going to completely throw out a principle that God actually says is important. That's a word. Um, you see this with truth. Oh, I mean, yeah. see, see, purity. I mean, right now, one of the deconstructions is purity culture. Yeah. Okay, so let's just be honest. For decades, um, there's probably segments of the church that had a really unhealthy, repressive, legalistic, sexist approach towards purity. And that needs to be acknowledged and needs to be dealt with. People probably need to be healed of that. But do you go the other end and just lose ourselves in the madness of the 60s revolution and let people just spiral into moral insanity and damage their bodies and damage their souls and completely mm -hmm. throw out any healthy virtue of purity? And so I just think when we think of these, these are just some of my concerns when I look at some of the modern deconstruction is people. You should not just go somewhere because you want to leave something. You should go somewhere because you're headed to somewhere real. Right. Yeah. yeah. And a reactionary theology is not a destination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not wise and it won't last. And what you'll end up doing is having a lopsided, imbalanced, resentment-fueled perspective of reality mm -hmm. where you'll actually throw out important building blocks in what would be reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Good. Anybody want to follow up that? <laughs> I've rambled too long. This just, this no. So You got um, me round up. So yeah, I, I know. I love it. it. Uh, that's why we have you on. Um, so real quick, uh, here are five reasons that people are deconstructing. I have five reasons listed and I would love for us to break down whether it's all of them, one that sticks out to you. Um, uh, but here are five reasons. One trust in large institutions is declining all across the board. Number two is we live in a more diverse, accessible and mobile world. Uh, three is high performing Christians are simply burning out. Uh, the prideful prioritization of conformity over unity and the acceptance of political idolatry and conspiracy theories in Christian communities. <laughs> and this podcast just ended. So, <laughs> no. Um, are there any of those that stick out to you personally that you could say, yep, that's me, or hey, I don't agree with that? Um I think personally, when it comes to large institutions like people leaving the church, me personally, I don't see why, because based off of one thing that someone said from the pulpit, it would turn you away from church completely. I see that as laziness, as what has been said already today, um, because I can promise you there has been a time where Pastor Tim, my father-in-law, um, has said something that I did not agree with in the moment. It's because actually that was the word of God piercing my heart. Mm -hmm. And that was the word of God convicting me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so there have been moments where I have said, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. But then as I really looked and analyzed the words that were said and the things that scripture says, I'm like, oh, there's actually a lot of truth to that. And so the, the idea that I'm basically saying is, 
just because something doesn't make you comfortable doesn't mean that it's not good. So the, the process that we all have to go through is uncomfortable. The word of God, sometimes when we read it, it's uncomfortable. I mean, the, the Bible says the word of God is like a mirror. And so the, re, the words that you're reading, are they a reflection of your life? If not, don't be mad at the church for pointing that out. The church is trying to point you forward and to make you a better reflection of Christ himself. So for me personally, I understand that people are hurt by church. There has been actual people manipulating because of their power and position inside churches and institutions. I completely understand that, and I'm not undermining that at all. But I think that people will use this as an excuse because they were convicted in the moment and they used it as a way to be offended. I think for me personally, that is a cop-out. That's one that I don't agree with personally as because I think that the the victimization and the things that people have experienced is a smaller percentage than what people have actually tr truly experienced in the church as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, you said it. Uh, you you see a lot more documentaries about churches that failed uh, prior uh, on the contrary of churches that have succeeded and pastors that have been faithful. Um and so for me personally, I just, I wish that wasn't a thing. I wish that people wouldn't use that as a way to walk away from the faith. Um, but anybody else? I think, yeah, the main, the main two that I resonate with are the, the large institutions. Um, I agree with that as well. Um, one thing I've been struggling with a lot, and you guys know this because I've talked to you about it even off the podcast, um, is mainly my family. Because I feel like me growing up in the church that we grew up in and then us going through the, the situations that we had at our old church, I feel like that my family has lost their mm. connection with God. Mm. And like that sucks. Mm -hmm. Because it's like I'm here and I'm like I'm having the experiences that I'm having. Yeah. And I'm like, I want you guys to experience this. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to to like I feel like you missed out on this. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe there was a, a Jesus moment or maybe there was, you know, but like, I know that I didn't mm. like, I know growing up, I went to private Christian school. Mm -hmm. I was in church since literally I went to a private Christian school since I was an infant. Yeah. And like, but I know for a fact that I never really had that like Eureka Jesus mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. And so it's like, if I didn't have that through all those years, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like definitely the big institutions, the like you're ingrained in this certain denomination, you're ingrained mm -hmm. in this certain whatever. And like I've talked about the denomination that my church was, mm -hmm. like I don't think it was so much that there was a high expectations. I think it was the opposite. Is there was really just not any expectations, which mm -hmm. led to a very lukewarm denomination mm -hmm. and led to a very lukewarm congregation. And so there just wasn't, it was just people came in, checked the boxes for the Sunday, and then went home. Yeah. And so there was community there. You know, everybody hung out. Everybody did stuff. We didn't drink beer because beer was bad. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, there was that, like, ideology. Not ideology, but, like, I ideology, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, there. But, like, when you sat there, like, okay, why are you not drinking beer? Well, because it's not right. Okay, but why? Like, nobody would have been able to answer that question. Mm. Like, show me in the Bible where it says you don't drink beer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, mm -hmm. 
when I really get to that point, it's like you are following this denomination. You're not following somebody who's speaking out of the Bible. Like, mm -hmm. And so that's, I definitely resonate with that. And then to kind of bounce off that, you talked about like the uh, politics and like all that jazz. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hate that Christianity is tied to Republicans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It drives me wild. Mm -hmm. And like you said, people moving to Portland mm -hmm. and leaving the faith because they become liberals. And mm -hmm. I'm like, there is no reason. Mm -hmm. You can be a Christian, you can be a follower of Christ and be a liberal. Mm -hmm. There is no reason you can't be a left-leaning follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you look in the history and you look at what Jesus' ideologies were, if you like copy-pasted him into modern society, he would be the textbook definition of a liberal. You think so? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> If everyone was like, if, if let's say that left-leaning people, mm. you know, and, and I wholeheartedly believe that when you take it to court and you go to, like, people. But not, he flipped tables in the temple. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, he flipped tables in the temple because he didn't like taxes. Yeah, hey, and Republicans don't like taxes. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> we can get into that on a different episode. Anyway, um, but no, like, if you get to the core and, like, I don't believe people as a whole are mm -hmm. bad. But I believe, like, the media ideas and, and whatnot, mm -hmm. like... If you go to like the big talking points of the, the main two parties, yeah, like I think that if if everyone fit that perfect little cookie cutter liberal, mm -hmm. Jesus would fit in that cookie cutter special whatever. Like, I don't think that he would fit in that cookie cutter Republican side. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's really funny that everybody associates that with with Republicans. Yeah. What's funny is I grew up in a world and in a culture where, oh my gosh, the right Republicans that that's who jesus was mm -hmm. yeah and it's like hey you're aware that jesus grew up in the middle east right like <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't white yeah. he didn't have blue eyes like yeah he had to have had some guns i mean he probably would <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah no but like you know what i mean like that that's the that's those are like the two things that really get me mm. like i i hate the the combination of, of faith and politics yeah. faith and social media faith and anything mm -hmm. it's like god's not going to come down here and be like all right i'm going to save you but how many followers do you have on instagram mm -hmm. are you verified right well, he doesn't care about that mm -hmm. you got that blue you know? check yeah you got that blue check mark who'd you vote for god doesn't mm -hmm. care like mm -hmm. that has always frustrated me mm -hmm. and so that's that's my two cents mm -hmm. um if I feel like anything I had to relate to, it would be, I don't think it's necessarily like pinpointing one of those things that you listed, but yeah. I would say almost the big institutions. And then I think you said something about conformity rather than unity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Conformity and over unity. When I look at those two, I may be wrong, but this is the way I view it is I view as like, it ties into what I struggled with the most of not trusting people mm -hmm. and their motives, what they're teaching, anything like that. I was like that kid in high school where I was like proud that I trusted nobody. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care who you were. I wouldn't trust anything you said. Mm -hmm. That's who I was. Mm -hmm. And that is something that has genuinely leaked into my faith. Mm -hmm. And I've had to work on consistently. I'm not going to say I'm over it. Mm -hmm. Like it's something I still battle with where like my initial neural pathway response is don't trust that person. Mm -hmm. He has this platform. He has these friends. He's doing this for a reason. What's behind it? Yeah. And I've had to stop myself in those moments and ask God, like, what should I be thinking here? Mm. Or when something negative comes up, like church hurt has been a large topic tonight. Yeah. If something ever comes up with someone on staff or a volunteer, 
my brain instantly goes to the negative and worst case scenario, hmm. which praise God for counselors is something I'm working on. Yeah. But like, that's where my brain goes first. It's hard for me to give grace. Like, well, it could be about like something else could be going on. That's not where my brain goes. I remember us talking about that. What? Like two years ago. Yeah. At the prayer night. Yeah. We literally mm-hmm. sat down in the foyer talking about it for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. That it, conversation just popped in my head when you brought that up. It is something mm-hmm. I genuinely struggle with. And I think playing into those things that you listed Big institutions, I see, I always viewed it as a platform, like they're doing it for a position, mm. not like the posture of their heart is to pursue Jesus and like let everybody know and try and help as much as they can. I would see like one imperfection, like, oh, psh, this person, nope, I'm good, hypocrite, mm-hmm. like typical person that would judge a church. Mm-hmm. And then like conformity over unity, I would, I think that ties into struggling to trust people because of a thing of like, you want me to be like you. You don't want to just get along with me. Mm-hmm. I want you to like who I am. We can be different. We can agree to disagree and mm-hmm. still love each other the same way. Nothing changes. Yeah. So like, I think those two would tie into what I struggled with and still have struggled with the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. a big one I've been focusing on a lot the last year or so. It's like, because again, I grew up and I wouldn't say we were super, you know, mm-hmm. red state, right leaning or whatever. But there definitely was that air of like, well, if they disagree with us, then no, we don't, we don't yeah. associate with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And like, um, that's something that's kind of been heavy on me for the last like two years or so. Is like, you can disagree with somebody and mm-hmm. still be friends with them. It's yeah. cool. And so like, I feel like I'm pretty good. I'm at a point now where like, for the most part, I I can fight off that like, Ugh, like initial urge of like, what you don't agree with me? Yeah. But like, I still have my moments where I'm just like, yeah, kind of crappy, but yeah. I, I'm, I can usually get it in check within a couple minutes. Yeah. I just think I, one of the reasons I love these conversations is I just, I appreciate the honesty that y'all have. I, I think if more people could have like these honest conversations that we're all wrestling through stuff mm-hmm. and we're all hacking through our um, preloaded DNA and our past hurt and our individual wirings and our own personalities and you know, we're still, till the day we die, we're going to be figuring out. I think if, if we can cultivate humility and self-awareness mm-hmm. yes, as we process through things, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a healthy place to be. Yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, would you say that because of the things that I've listed, like a lot of this has to do with like, I would say people. Do you think like that the the term deconstruction and like people deconstructing. Do you think that what we've seen in our culture, people have gone about deconstructing in a wrong, in the wrong way. So should people really be deconstructing people or do we deconstruct like thought process and ideology? Like what, where, where should we be deconstructing or should we be doing both? That's a very loaded question, and maybe I said it in a little confusing of a way as well. But what, I, the, what I'm trying to get here is I feel like oftentimes, yes, we deconstruct institutions like churches, but we aren't deconstructing the Word of God. We're deconstructing people, and we're not using the Word of God to help us uh, discern people's motives, people's intentions. We were just hurt by a person, but we're not going to God with our hurt. We're going to our emotions and what it feels comfortable for us. And so what I I feel like I've seen in our culture is that not only, yes, people are deconstructing institutions, but it's not God. People People are deconstructing people. 
and not God. And it's because of that people don't turn to the very thing that they should be turning to, which is God. And yeah. so my question is, should we not be deconstructing people? Should we be like breaking down the institutions that we are listening to more frequently than the ideology that we've been taught as kids or as as we're raising up ourselves? I don't know. That it's kind of a lo- very loaded question. Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, I think again, it's such a spectrum because I think there are people that are deconstructing people. I think there are people that are deconstructing God. Yeah. In my view, and this isn't throwing stones because again, one of, one of my simplistic thoughts that came to my mind is like we kind of are where we are. Like, you know, we, we're in this cultural moment and there are people that either have had shallow roots or there are people that have been hurt. And I think for me, it's just so important to, for anybody that's in a middle of deconstruction to know, okay, what's my starting place mm-hmm. and what's my goal? You know, for me as a follower of Jesus, I think it's healthy to deconstruct my worldview. I think it would be arrogant to try to deconstruct truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we got to be aware of that. I, lo- I love when you said earlier, like, people are, like, moving away from grace, but I also think people are moving away from truth. Yes. They're just moving towards their radicalization of what they believe is true, but not looking at the sole truth. Yeah, there's this haunting line from the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament where he says, truth lies fallen in the streets. And I think we're in a day and age where truth, um, it's not as much that lies fallen in the streets, but it's sold as a flavor of ice cream for you to choose. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) and... um, and we're in a very pluralistic, relativistic, universalistic society right now. Mm-hmm. Um, where, and so, so I, I just think when you're deconstructing, just remember that you can't choose whether two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. And you can't choose whether math is math. And you can't choose whether truth is truth. What is, is what is. Right. Um, the goal is I want to pursue truth. Not, I want to pursue my truth. Yeah. I just want to pursue truth. Mm-hmm. When you go to a doctor, you don't want to pursue your diagnosis. You want to pursue the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think, you know, part of it is you, part of constructing a worldview is do I believe there's such a thing as truth? That's a great starting place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I believe there's such a thing as truth? Okay. Well, that's, that's the starting place. Okay. Well, then where do I go to pursue that truth? You know, for me, a long time ago, I love the I love the phrase "eureka moment" because it is so true. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's the again the like the tricky thing about church is you can be in church for years and never. I mean, Peter was around Jesus for years, but then had a moment of revelation. Oh wow, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the Living God. It's like eureka. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what happened to me in middle school, and you can't always make that happen. But for me, the moment the reality of Christ came crashing into my world and I actually experienced him, the moment Jesus stepped out of the cobwebs of theology and became a burning reality in my life and I Uh felt his power, I watched him do miracles. I saw the word of God come alive and it changed everything about everything in my life. I'm like, this is the one who is alive and real and came back from the dead. I believe he holds truth, so I'll follow him. And And because of that... Even when I don't understand his word in scripture, I will not make scripture bow to my reasoning. I will bow my reasoning to scripture. Yeah. Um, 
and so I'm, I'm kind of going back to what are, what are the roots? Right. And so, yeah. but, but it's tricky. Cause you're talking about, do we deconstruct people? On one hand, I play devil's advocate and I'm like, we got to have a higher vertical roots right. than people. Yeah. At the same time, let's just, let's give grace to people. The closest thing people are going to experience to Jesus are people that represent Jesus. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it is unfortunate, you know, when you look, I mean, a big part of this is, a, is an erosion of trust. Mm-hmm. And there have been, I mean, way more than usual leaders falling. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that, you know, digital media blows it up every time it happens. And so it's understandable that in a pluralistic society where there's just a million different truths and people are seeing, you know, magazine article and documentary after documentary that's just kind of like, Oh, well, I can't trust anybody. Right. And it's really unfortunate because um, God raises up leaders to speak for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the moment that you decide, well, I can't trust people, you, you've blocked out one of the major ways that God moves and speaks into your yeah. life. And so it, it's, I think we got to watch cynicism. Yes. I think we have to learn the art of being discerning without being... Uh, critical mm-hmm. we got to learn the art of being what, what did jesus say he said wise as serpent harmless as doves and in a in a weird way we almost have to start with our internal world and be aware of our internal world as we process our external world yeah because i don't think we realize how often i, I heard ermit manis say this he said whenever mm-hmm. you think like you know sometimes like they'll, they'll, they'll do those reports of like um what was it happened? I think it was like Kylie Jenner or somebody like posted like something. Um, it was like a GoFundMe page for one of her friends. And she gave like $5,000 and then like other people, she, you know, it wasn't even somebody she really knew. It was like an acquaintance. She's like, everybody yeah. go. Mm-hmm. And people started just railing on her. It was like, Oh my gosh. Like you just, um, like you could have paid this whole thing and you're just, and started, She's trying to do a good thing. I don't know anything about Kyle Jenner. This is not me defending Kyle Jenner. <laughs> but the whole point was people just talk about sharks in the water, cancel culture. People yeah. jump to, and I heard Earl McManus say this. I'll never forgot it. He said, he said, only a greedy person would jump to the conclusion that somebody else wasn't generous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize the way that you perceive other people is actually a projection of your inner world. Mm. Often, if you don't trust people, it's because you don't trust yourself and you're untrustworthy. <laughs> Often, if you view other people and your immediate assumption is they're not generous, it could be because you're not generous. Yeah. Wow. Often, when you think other people have to be lying, it could be because you're lying. Yeah. And so, I think part of creating a healthy external worldview is creating a healthy internal worldview mm-hmm. and doing soul work and starting there. That's good. Good segue. Because... Soul Work was actually the first uh, series that I saw here at X. Mm. And it was funny because we, like I said, we left my childhood church. And then Megan and I, my wife, which she was on the last episode, um, left a church that we had been going to for a while. And we were in that space where we were just mm. like, you know, we don't trust people. We don't blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. And like... Literally the first episode of Soul Work hit, and it was like mm. pretty much exactly what you'd said. Yeah. Like, do you think maybe you just didn't give them a chance to talk to you? Mm. Like, do you think maybe you it was your mm. fault? Do you think yeah. maybe like X, Y, Z? And mm-hmm. like, I remember getting into the car with her, and she was like, so what do you think? And I was just like, <laughs> uh, 
bro. I was like, I feel like I just got punched in the face. And I was like, but I would like to go back next week. And now it's what? Almost three years and we've been here. That's awesome. And so it's like the, the idea that you can, you can exactly like you said, like you can deconstruct and you can, it's, it's important, I feel, to always question everything, but also walk with grace. Mm-hmm. Like, you should never mm-hmm. assume that everything's true, other than, obviously, yeah. the truth. Right. But you should definitely give people grace. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't come in here giving y'all grace, <laughs> and I got smacked in the face for it. <laughs> and God was like, listen, dude, stop. And I was like, okay, sorry, my bad. And then from here on forth, like there were still times where, you know, Tim would say something. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not sure about that. And then I would be reminded like, Hey, why don't you just think about that for a minute? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I still don't really agree with it, but I see where he's coming from. Right. And it's been, you know, weeks and weeks and Sundays and Sundays and Sundays of that. And it's like, we can still disagree on things. And I'm like, but I see where he's coming from and I respect it because having that healthy relationship with the church, healthy relationship with the community, healthy relationship with a leader, with a person, with a, a voice that you trust yeah, gets you to the point where you don't have to follow them blindly. You yeah. don't have to be like, everything that he says is gospel. It's like, well, no. Right. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you know, when, when not to pick on, but when Hunter was saying earlier, he's like, you know, there's even things that I heard Pastor Tim say that I disagree with. But then the more I looked at it, I was like, Okay, no, I see where he's coming from. What I almost wanted to interrupt him and say is, but what if you didn't see where he's coming from and you still disagree with it? Yeah. That should be okay. Yeah. Like, I think, I think when, you come, when you go from, like, when you talk from a leader perspective or somebody being a part of a community perspective, the grace should go both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you should be able, I think a community of faith should be one of the healthiest places to wrestle and have questions and be on your own journey and, and disagree. Yeah. Like, at the same time, are the are is that same grace extended to leaders? Yeah. Can Pastor Tim or myself or somebody say something that somebody completely disagrees with and say, that's okay. I don't have to agree with everything he says. Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest things somebody told me a long time ago is I better, if I'm going to have an expanding worldview and have a healthy soul and, and, and have the posture of student the rest of my life, I better learn how to eat the fish and spit out the bones. Mm-hmm. There's not a leader I've ever listened to or read other than scripture, that agree with everything they say. Mm-hmm. But I want to have the posture of learner for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. Where I can listen to someone and say, man, I'm going to hold on to that and discard the rest. And the ultimate filter is going to be scripture. But I just think, man, like, I, I tell you what, I don't, I don't know if this is helpful for the conversation of like deconstruction, but back to the roots thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite tree is the palm tree. Maybe, maybe you heard oh. me talk about this. Like, um, one of the reasons is I love LA. I love like Mediterranean climate. I love tropical. But the other reason is because, you know, scripture talks a lot about palm trees. It's inside the Ark of the Covenant and, and talks about like, Psalm 92. You'll be like a palm that's planted, that flourishes. What's beautiful and what's powerful about the palm tree is that it's actually extremely resilient, even though you wouldn't think so because it bends like right. in hurricanes, it bends and it's flexible. And, and I love that imagery of something that's planted and firm, but flexible and evolving and growing. And I think some people either are so dogmatic and rigid and legalistic 
that they just they have strong roots, but they never grow and they stay just stuck in fossilized mindsets their entire life. Or they just are so afraid of actually planting themselves in truth, they're tossed by the wind the rest of their yeah. lives. Can I tell you my personal goal as I get older and older, the, the, the image I want to be? I want to be like a ship out at sea that my anchors only grow deeper and deeper. And, and, and when it comes to truth and Jesus and courage and integrity and character, I want my, my anchors to go deeper and deeper mm-hmm. the older I get. Yeah. But I want my horizons to get wider and wider and wider. Yeah. I want to be the person that's, I, I, I want to in some ways not be able to recognize, recognize myself next year mm-hmm. because I've grown so much and my understanding has expanded and my empathy has grown and my revelation and my insight is expanding. Mm-hmm. But on the things that matter, on the close-handed of who Jesus is and the conviction, I want those to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, That's like my image of when I am, quote-unquote, deconstructing or learning or evolving for the rest of my days, that's what I want the picture of my life to be like. Yeah. yeah. And you talked, like, at the beginning when you talked about the conversations of grace and being able to understand and disagree, I think the first time I was able to do that in a church sense was when me and you walked around last fall. <laughs> Yeah. We spent an hour and 15 minutes walking this parking lot. And I was wondering what the heck you guys were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and we never came to an agreement. Uh-uh. We were never on the same page, but it was never problematic. Yeah. It was never combative. It was constructive. Mm-hmm. Not to like continue using the same kind of base word. Yeah. But it was constructive to where, all right, I understand where Russ is coming from. He's able to understand where I'm coming from. Doesn't mean we agree. Yeah. But like, all right, we have a common understanding now and like, nothing changed between us. If yeah. anything, I feel like our relationship grew from mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. it is so big. That's something that's been huge on me last year is learning to walk in mm-hmm. tough conversations, no matter who it's with, with a friend, with Courtney, with church Pete leadership, with people at work, mm-hmm. anything Yeah, is have a tough conversation and it's not going to change the way I love that person Yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. So it's been so big for me. So I know like that's it's good. so true for everyone that walks in this world. Mm. That's good. That's good. I I don't really know what else needs said or, I mean, we could give Pastor Russ 30 more minutes. And he, <laughs> I'm so he sorry. I hope I haven't talked too much. No, dude, that's it's been thing. amazing. It has been amazing. Uh, any closing remarks? Anything like that you want the viewers to... Um, just have another taste of before this episode ends. I feel like maybe just that deconstruction's healthy mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it's motivated the right way. Yes. Mm-hmm. When it's deconstruction, I think we talked about in community, mm-hmm. using scripture as kind of your compass of what's leading it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Manipulating the word deconstruction to just follow your demolition I don't think it is the healthiest thing in the world, obviously. So I think it's making sure you have the right heart when you do a deconstruction. Cause I think all four of us at the table said we have been through it and we see the light at the end of, at the end of the, the tunnel and like, all right, this is where mm-hmm. we're going. Yeah. yeah. And if it wasn't for people like Russ or Hunter, like what well, you guys were there in the process of my deconstruction, as I mm-hmm. called it. And if it wasn't for people like you that still checked in on me, still cared about me, Mm-hmm. and yeah. would be willing to question me or push me, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have lasted on my own. Like we talked about not doing it in isolation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. definitely using the motive of 
I'm using scripture as my compass, but also I'm not going to shell into my little room and not leave and not talk to anybody. I need to have that community. So I feel like those are the two biggest points that like I would just put out there. Yeah, that's huge. That's good. I think um, I would say, you know, we've gone on some, a lot of thought rampages, but what I don't ever want to, you know, leave anybody listening with that's actually gone through the pain and the, cause it, look, I've been through, I have been through dark nights of the soul when it comes to certain things of deconstruction and faith. And I don't ever want to broad brush. Oh, or your faith wasn't deep enough right, or yeah. you, you're, you're just easily offended. Look, so I, I always, the pastoral side will say this for anybody that is truly hurting or has truly been hurt by church or has truly been hurt by a leader. Like I just want to, for whatever it's worth, it sounds cheap. Just say, I'm so sorry. And I hate that you're walking through that and just know there's hope. And my just encouragement is don't walk through it alone Yeah. yeah. and don't walk through it towards the brick wall of despair, but towards the light at the end of the tunnel uh, with the goal of reconstructing, stay open-minded. I'm a big proponent of open-mindedness. It is tough for me to relate to people that are closed-minded, but as the greatest thinker of the 20th century, GK Chesterton that I love to quote, as he once said, the goal of opening your mind is to eventually shut it again on something solid. Mm. And the goal of deconstruction is not to stand and look at a pile of rocks but is to look at a new reconstructed house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do it in community, do it with people that love you, do it with roots. Um, and yeah, we'll keep, there, there, there's a postmodern desert just, but there's a lot of desert nomads out there. You don't, don't wander alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Uh, my last statement I would say is, God is bigger than any question that you have, meaning that mm-hmm. no matter what you're wrestling with, no matter what you're experiencing, you can bring it to God because he's mm-hmm. bigger than anything you could face, anything that you could question, anything that you could wrestle with. Um, go to him and confide in him, and he will give you the answers that you need. Mm-hmm. He will. Don't go to the world. We beg of you. Don't go to the world because they'll give you an answer that is comfortable or something that you'll want to hear, but God will give you the answer that you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And so just find refuge in him. That's that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just kind of echo what everybody else has said. Like, if you're hurting, if you're deconstructing, if you're going through all that and you think that God did it, God didn't do it, mm-hmm. people did it, mm-hmm. even if you're 110% convinced that God did it, Mm-hmm. I promise you he didn't. Like it's mm-hmm. just he didn't. You know, I was convinced that God did it and he didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I found that out. It took me a couple of years and I'm not going to tell you that you're going to listen to this podcast and a week later you're going to be like, "Oh, there he is." <laughs> like it's it might take you a while. And I've mm-hmm. told my youth kids, it took me 13 years mm-hmm. before I realized that something I went through. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. You know, and like it's a process. Mm-hmm. But Everything has a reason. God has a plan. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't see the plan, just got to keep going through it. Mm-hmm. And like, if you need community, you can always get on our Discord. I know that's kind of a goofy time to plug, but it really honestly <laughs> is true. Like, we've got people there. We've got a good mixture of people. Most of us are from the church, but like, we don't care. I personally don't mm-hmm. care. You can come in. I've got 
tons of people in my life that aren't Christians, you know, and it doesn't bother me at all. I'll sit there and talk to you about God. I'll sit there and talk to you about COD. <laughs> wow. The fish or the game. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about the fish, but hey, we'll talk about it. I can tell you all about it. Oh, yeah? yeah it's one of my, my uh, things I'd eat uh, for my last meal. Oh, oh, that's right. By the way, I mean, not to be that guy, but I would also just throw out there that, you know, if you're deconstructing, um, I don't know if we put this in the show notes, but there are some good resources out yeah, there. Absolutely. There are, there are some yeah. really well-written books from people um, that I think are really relevant mm-hmm. when it comes to, and I mean, very approachable and accessible, non-judgmental of, you know, I know Mark Sayers, I know, um, what's his face that took over at Bridgetown for John Mark Comer, Tyler Statton. Yeah. Uh, there's several just, I mean, just really well done, mm-hmm. intelligent, helpful books uh, when it comes to deconstruction. There's a lot of resources out there. Yeah. If you're really serious about reconstruction, like if you aren't in that spirit of destruction, mm-hmm. not to use a bunch of auction words, but like <laughs> yeah. if you're serious about reconstruction, getting through your deconstruction and not ending up in destruction, like, yeah, read. Mm-hmm. Like, that's honestly one of the most powerful things. Like, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's reading, you know, books based on Reconstruction, whether it's reading, it doesn't necessarily have to be religious-based books. Mm-hmm. Just just get something so that you have a purpose to end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because ending up in that just purgatory of, I don't know what's going on, I'm confused, I'm scared, mm-hmm. you're never going to find a foundation in anything. Mm-hmm. It's going to yeah. seep into every facet of your life you're going to feel confused. You're going to feel scared. You're going to feel upset 24 mm-hmm. seven. And that's not a way to live. Yeah. So that is my thought process on it. That's great. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> well, Pastor Russ, thank you for being here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so, so much. Fun. Thank you guys for letting me hang Appreciate out. It. Absolutely. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't been this hydrated. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty It's wild. actually really nice. Mm-hmm. I, I now see, are you feeling better? Uh, I did have to pee real bad. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, that's why I walked away. <laughs> I was like, I know we're about to like have another conversation. I was like, and I can't think straight right now. I got to pee so bad. So, but yeah, it's freaking awesome. Thank you for coming and hanging out. That was, that was great. Thank you. So we'll have to have you on again for a less serious topic. <gasps> I'd love to. So we can, yeah, you can just talk about, yeah, I hope um, I didn't take us too serious. No, no that, this, this is, this is what literally we we've been preparing for like yeah. this to be serious yeah. for a while. So next okay. time, next so. podcast, we'll talk about the congressional hearings of UFOs and UAPs. Oh, yeah. let's do it. Tom also, DeLong knows. Um, I would say that, that Jesus probably wouldn't carry a gun, but I think Peter definitely would. Uh, he'd be, he'd be packed. <laughs> oh, Peter yeah. Would. yeah. Peter was carrying that night. I'll tell you what. Cut off a I'm just saying, ear. if it was modern day, homeboy wouldn't have lost an ear. Also, no. he'd have been like, he would have lost his life. He'd have shot him, dude. And well, Jesus has been like, man, he's like, I gotta raise this dude back up. He's like, Peter, you know how much more power that. See, takes? I don't know. Like, I mean, if he was, if he would be as bad a shot as he was a swing. Ooh. Um, I don't know. He might have just. By the way, Timothy or something like. Here's my here's my devil's there. advocate um, mm-hmm. on the political thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you took the gospel and tenets of jesus they'd split right down the middle mm. so i think yeah, the republicans are wrong and the liberals are wrong i think they'd split right down the well middle. i agree with that too but mm-hmm. on a lot of other things yeah. i think they're all wrong but i agree i i i've heard that that mm-hmm. uh idea too i think mm-hmm. if you really dive into it a lot more yeah. yeah um but also with like the 
I guess, thousand foot view where you're kind of looking down mm-hmm. into what was Jesus all about? And if you're looking at it yeah. from a political view like that, like I can see that if you just transplanted Jesus in the modern times, I don't think Republicans would like him. I completely agree. <laughs> you know? <laughs> completely I think they'd be agree. like, who's this socialist going around giving everybody free health care? This, yeah, oh this is ridiculous. He like, <laughs> spends way too much time with the poor. <laughs> this is insane. He seems suspiciously loving of the immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did he just say he who lives by the gun dies by the gun? I don't know about that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's awesome. That's, oh, shoot. Oh, geez. We got to stop recording because I got things I could say that would be funny, but I don't <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, Russ, for coming and hanging out. I hope this wasn't too heavy for y'all. I think it's going to be a great episode, and I hope that whoever listens to this gets, you know, a little bit out of it. So if you're going through anything, you need to talk, you need to chat. Feel free to reach out to us publicly or privately in Discord, Facebook, Instagram. Come see us in person. Text me. I don't care. We'll figure it out. We love you guys. But as always, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls. And Carson. And Carson. We'll talk to you all next week. Later.